0: We ready to do this? Yeah, let's get this shit show on the road.
1: Hello and welcome to the Watts Podcast. My name is Devin. And my name is Carson. We're independent filmmakers and we're here to talk to you about shit. We're here to talk to you about shit going down. In Hollywood or anywhere else in entertainment, really. Yep. Um, Covering movies, music, games, whatever comes to our fancy, really. Right. And we're hoping to give a little bit more of like a behind the music sort of look at things rather than a pop cultural look. If you remember that show. Yeah. If you're, <laughs> it, yeah it's an old reference at this point, isn't it? It's an old VH1 reference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we don't want to just look at all this stuff from the uh, pop culture perspective. We're more interested in the uh, actual inner workings of the uh, mostly film industry but also music industry and anything else as well as you know uh, stuff
0: like releases and what comes on that and the right we'll be'll be get- be the technical stuff at the
1: end of the episode. For now okay. though, uh, I would like to talk about the thing that really spurred me to actually want to to make this podcast now. Yeah. And that is the Disney buyout of Fox.
0: It's something that has been taken in completely the wrong way by pretty much everybody.
1: Right, and this is why I wanted to talk about it. Um, Disney has sort of garnered itself this massive... Audience of just like of people who absolutely love them and everything they do, regardless of anything.
0: It's not okay.
1: <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Let's let's actually let's talk about this for yeah. a minute because I I think in order for us to actually talk about this, we need to give context for our feelings of Disney in general. For sure, for sure. So my feelings of Disney is I don't like Disney like at all at this point. Now, to be clear, I'm not talking about Disney animation, right? I'm not talking about like nine pretty much nineties, maybe early two thousands Disney and prior. I'm talking about mid two thousands and later Disney, where they turned into corporate whores. They've always been corporate whores, but
0: they've been corporate whores with a product that's worth it.
1: Yeah, like they used to actually have really good worthwhile products. I mean, especially their animation. You know, even their, their later sort of um, straggler animated uh, movies like Brother Bear and the Princess Frog or Frog and the Princess, whatever. Something like that. Like, one. That. <laughs> like uh, even if you look at those, like, they're good products. You know, yeah. um, Princess Frog isn't an amazing movie, but it's good. It, it really did sort of harken back to earlier Disney animated movies. But as far as I can remember, that's the last of their movies that I actually really liked. It, and that's just
0: from really Disney because Pixar has been a separate thing entirely for me.
1: Um, at first, I don't think yeah. that they are anymore. even though technically there are like, you know, Disney animated movies and then there are Pixar animated yeah. movies, they've really been blurring the line. Especially in terms of quality, Pixar has gone down in quality quite a bit.
0: The good dinosaur,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the good dinosaur God that was cars two cars
0: two cars three I haven't
1: seen Cars Three, so I don't know.
0: It's really fucking bad. It's pretty much the first movie all over again. Is it as bad as Cars two though? it's pretty on par with that. Mm-hmm. I would say I'll take your word for it <laughs> um yeah. you'll need you'll need a drink before you watch that travesty.
1: Anyway, none of this is really even what we're talking about. What we're talking about is Disney's, um, I mean, in all honesty, I have to call it genius, even though I fucking hate it, Mm -hmm. is Disney's uh, stranglehold that they have on pop culture. Disney essentially owns pop culture at this point. Mm -hmm. They have the Marvel movies, they have the Star Wars movies, and then they have their own franchises, which, I mean... Yeah, Pir- the Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> franchise is kind of floundering. It kind of died at three. Yeah, but um, you know they they basically I mean just the Marvel movies and the Star Wars movies alone basically propel pop culture now. Mm-hmm. They essentially own it. And the fact that they've
0: pretty much now bought out almost all of their competition.
1: Right, and that's what we're gonna get into. But really, I'm yep. just giving sort of our our broad views on on Disney before they bought it out or before they bought out, um, Fox. Right. Um, so basically my opinion on, on Disney is that they're genius in terms of a business. Right. But in terms of, uh, being, they're essentially the leader in the film industry right now. And that I hate it. Uh, Because everybody is essentially copying them. And what that means is everybody is putting much more stock into does this IP already have an audience? And uh, does it have a recognizable logo that we can slap into the title? And that's all that matters. Story doesn't matter anymore. Characters don't matter anymore. The actual craftsmanship of the cinematography doesn't matter anymore. Uh, Directors aren't directors anymore. They're basically faces that the studio can can push in front of the news and be like, it, that guy made this movie," when really they're studio-directed films. Yeah, which goes back to the 1930s and 40s when studios essentially owned the actors. Uh yes, except now it's the directors yeah. instead of the actors. Although in a although, sense they
0: are starting to own the actors yeah, again. Yeah, still as well. like
1: uh, Robert Downey Jr. Chris is, Evans. Yeah, like and they're I th- I know Robert Downey Jr. is getting tired of it. He's trying oh, yeah. to... Um, he's trying to get out. Yeah, he's trying to get out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. A lot of the original actors are. Yeah, because I think they all realize that Disney doesn't give a shit, and Disney just wants recognizable faces to push in front of an audience, and that's really all they care about. And it's, like, it's constant. It's like multiple movies every year. You know what I mean? Yep.
0: Uh how many Marvel movies have we had this year like 3 or 4 and then we have the Star Wars movie and then it's a repeat it's the same thing next year and then the year after then the year after yeah, and, and they just keep adding more and more and they've more even and more. said
1: like um these Star Wars movies like that's not the end of it it's not just no. going to be it's not just going to be another trilogy of movies cuz one they also have the the like little solo stories yep. in Rogue be- One the Han Solo yeah. one in between each of the main uh, franchise movies, um, but once they hit number nine, they're go- they're gonna just keep fucking going.
0: Oh yeah, they've already announced that too. The director of the Last Jedi, Ryan Johnson, is sort of the I guess the best comparison is the Joss Whedon of the next trilogy of Star Wars movies. And I just want everybody to take a moment and realize
1: how sad that is. Yeah. <laughs> Thoughts aside on Joss Whedon. Yeah. Yeah, cause yeah. Um, we're not gonna get into him right now but mm-hmm. um so basically I hate the way Disney has taken control of the film industry they've sucked any art and integrity completely out of it and they've pretty much monopolized it yeah and they yeah at this point they pretty much have so now we can get into the buyout so they've essentially bought out Fox but in a weird way where they like, bought Fox downsized
0: yeah. wherein they sold everything Everything to Disney except for news
1: and sports, I think. They left Fox News alone, which is hilarious, (laughs) um, but I thought it would have been more hilarious if they just bought out Fox News and just completely turned it into like a 100% liberal. Yeah, (laughs) that would have been hilarious. Um, But no, they left Fox News alone. And they didn't really like buy Fox Studios per se. They just bought all of the IPs. Uh, right, they just bought out a shitload of their properties. They no, didn't...
0: no, they did buy, they bought, because uh, 20th Century Fox changed its name to 21st Century Fox. That's what they bought. They bought the entire shebang. They bought the company, not just the... They um... bought pretty much all of the company.
1: That's not what I heard. I heard that they bought the um, properties. Hmm. They just like bought out like every fucking movie that uh, Fox owns. I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, same um, point, here. Point, point I'm not being, sure, but... Point being, though, Disney now owns a fuckload of properties that Disney really shouldn't own. Including, possibly in the future, Hulu. Uh, well, that's not a property, but it's yeah. A, um, it's a, it's part of the, holy shit, what the fuck. It is, um, because basically what's happening is Disney wanted a streaming service anyway. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, And what better way than spending a whole bunch of money to create your own than to just buy one
1: and rebrand it? Right, and that sort of came with the Fox deal because Fox was in talks of buying Hulu, so now that sort of transfers over to Disney, and because Disney wanted their own streaming service. Anyway, they're probably just going to turn Hulu into the Disney service, right? which means now that they own all these Fox properties, you're going to see those properties disappearing from Netflix and you know, Amazon Video and all those other services, and they're probably just going to be thrown on to this new Disney streaming service that you're going to have to pay probably twice as much for. Yeah,
0: Well, I am reading here, I did not find whether it was the properties or the the actual company, the parts of the company, but I have read that the head of the antitrust committee in the government is looking to... File a lawsuit against Disney for buying Fox.
1: Good. Um, and, and that's the thing. That's what we're really talking about here. It's not even so much about oh, Disney now owns all of these properties, right? Even though that is shitty. Like when you think about it, Disney now owns, you know, uh Terminator uh franchise, the Alien franchise, the Predator franchise, Die Hard was Fox also. Yep. Um Terminator. Well, I already said Terminator. Oh, you did? um and then you look at the tv side and now they own like the simpsons, simpsons and futurama, futurama family guy and, yeah, american uh, dad
0: they own practically all of the big leaders
1: in television right now yeah and it's one they're creating a monopoly i mean that's the real problem here is disney wants to be a monopoly you know anybody who has this image of disney is like this this friendly company that has all of their favorite movies that's not what they are. Disney is a business, and they are farming you basically. Like as an audience, yeah. they're farming the audience because they're just buying out all of the uh, the the pop culturally relevant um, uh, uh, IPs, and they're they're farming an audience. They're a business, you know, and that's what people mm-hmm. need to understand. Disney doesn't give a fuck about you. Disney just wants your money. Yeah, they and they they show it with every movie when they put no character into the movies, they put no story into the movies. They put a 20-minute short film in front of another film
0: that nobody gives a shit about the short film. They just want to see the other film. What movie but was that? But they're pushing that, that Coco.
1: Okay, it was Coco. Yeah, that's they put, Pixar.
0: Pixar still
1: owned by Disney. Yeah, I know, but still. But
0: Disney put a short about the fucking snowman from Frozen <laughs> in front of that movie. Is that what it was? Because I didn't yep. see it. Okay. That's why... It's relevant to Disney as a company.
1: But, yeah, so Disney is interested in pushing their properties, as any business is, right? Like, it's hard to begrudge them that, you know? But the problem is they're trying to be a monopoly, and everybody is letting them do it because they've been fortunate enough to cultivate this audience of drones who just think everything that they fucking do is great. All anybody cares about seems to be, oh, now Disney owns all of the Star Wars movies, yep. and now Disney gets um, X Men and, and Deadpool and Fantastic Four, and that's all anybody's focusing on is like those things. It's like, oh, great, you know, now all of our favorite things are in the same yep. place. Even Technically, though, they get Blade as well, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they don't. They don't have Spider Man. That's Sony. No. Yep. Um,
0: they do have a deal though
1: with them. Yeah, they don't. They have a deal to work with Sony, but yep. they don't actually own, own Spider Man.
0: I did find out. They do own
1: ESPN and ABC. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Well, they've always owned ABC. Yeah. ABC was always their thing.
0: Oh yeah. Um, but just for those who don't know.
1: Right. Um, and and I guess that's sort of on the television side where they had like all the Disney channels, ABC was the sort of more adult channel, but it was still it still like pushed the the Disney, we're family friendly bullshit like really hard on ABC. Um but anyway, so all anybody seems to care about is that, oh, great, all these Marvel properties are in one place now so that, you know, now you can see the X-Men in the Marvel movies. Yeah. Fucking yay. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, We should have stopped after the third one, but honestly. Yeah, but and, – And so everybody yeah. is just ignoring the fact yeah. that now Disney owns, like, a fucking huge portion of the film industry. You know, not that they didn't already, and now it's like even like monumentally bigger. It's ridiculous, yep. um, and we're getting not they're not men- they're not legally a monopoly. But they are effectively a monopoly. Yeah. Right. And that's still a huge problem. And the shitty thing is, because they're not legally a monopoly, there's not much that people can do about it. Now, you said um, somebody was bringing a lawsuit. Who'd you yeah. say? The leader of the antitrust committee. Okay. So he's bringing a lawsuit. She. And that's she. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I just assumed it's gender. <laughs> um So she's bringing a lawsuit and that's good because people need to understand that this shit isn't okay. Like you can't have one company own this much shit. It's ridiculous. And two, on a more artistic note, like, okay, now you have a company that has historically refused to make adult content. And I'm not talking Mm -hmm. about porn, right? (laughs) Like, Oh no, that's what we were all thinking. (laughs) Um, but they they've refused to make more adult movies and now they own a shitload of R-rated movies. So what's hmm. going to happen to those? Are we going to start getting PG-13 alien movies, PG-13 terminator movies, you know? We already
0: got a PG-13 terminator movie. That's true.
1: <laughs> and technically we got a PG-13 Alien vs Predator movie. Oh yeah. Um And, you know, so what are they going to do with all these R-rated properties? Are they going to fuck up Deadpool and, you know, tone that down to PG-13?
0: That was the one thing that I saw that they were talking about. And from what I can tell, they're thinking about it, about keeping them R-rated. But for the most part, the properties that are R-rated in the works already, you know, Deadpool 2, the new X-Men film. Yeah, all those, they're you're, going you're to stay. about Logan. Uh, No, not Logan. The new one that's coming out that's supposed to be like a horror film, like straight-up horror film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. remember what it's called, but uh, those are supposed to stay R-rated. But from uh, then because on, they're Disney's- already, yeah. they're
1: already in production, though. Yeah. So I think to some extent, um, Disney's had their arm twisted, and they're just going to move forward with these projects. Yeah. But my concern is in the future when Disney just has full control over what's going on. Are we basically going to lose all of these R-rated franchises?
0: Uh, As far as I can tell from what I've seen is Disney is thinking about it, but they've already said that, yes, the X-Men are going to be in the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes, the Fantastic Four are going to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And yes, Deadpool is going to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And from what I can tell, unless they do something like the... Netflix properties, mm. which, by the way, are moving to Disney's streaming service.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I didn't even think about that. I you mean, know. mostly because I don't watch Netflix original stuff. But yeah, um, they do have um, Daredevil, which, if it was a movie, would probably be rated R. So oh, yeah, maybe sure. that says something. But I think Disney is so obsessed with pushing their family friendly image which is weird because you watch the Marvel
0: movies yeah. and they're not really family friendly No
1: they're not like yes they're PG-13 but it's mostly because they just disregard the blood but oh. i mean you know Anyway yeah so you have two concerns here you have the corporate concern of a monopoly and yep. you have the artistic concern of Disney's just taking over everything yep. and it's not like they weren't already Yeah you know,
0: they own a bunch of YouTubers now too speaking to the you know new entertainment center i guess of youtube they own most of the youtube red content and they're the creators of that
1: yeah i don't know how much i care about that really i mean youtube red is its own sort of bag of bullshit but um in terms of like i mean (laughs) movies are what matter most to me And so in terms of, like, the artistic side, I'm just extraordinarily concerned about a lot of these franchises. And I'm also concerned about how they're going to be released, you know, because Disney likes to release all of their own things. That's why if you try to buy any of the Disney animated stuff, it's always in their stupid special Disney Blu-ray boxes that are, like, twice as thick for some fucking reason. For $25 a piece. Yeah, for $25 a piece, even though the movie's, like, 50 fucking years old. Yeah. Um... So, because Disney likes to release all their own stuff, what happens to, um, you know, special releases that, you know, are there, like, are there any Disney, or uh, are there any Fox properties in Criterion? Um, I am sure there's so. gotta be one, yeah. right? So I believe
0: there's a few. I don't remember I, which ones are. I would are, have
1: but... to look into that, but, you know, things like Criterion and, and things like that that do yeah. special releases of movies, um, is Disney just gonna pull them from those kinds of collections and do their own releases and my best guess with the history of how disney releases stuff is yes they will pull them from that yeah because disney likes to have full control of their library yeah to a ridiculous degree which is you know that's when you get into the whole disney vault thing like i swear to god if anybody tries to uh to to defend the disney vault i will i will punch you cuz it's <laughs> like there is absolutely no reason whatsoever a movie can only be released once every fucking 10 years and you better get it now or it'll go away. Yeah. There's no reason for that except that they know they will basically create a mob of people bum rushing stores to buy these fucking movies oh, yeah. because they're going to go away. It's, it's it's I'm
0: sure that's what they're hoping for with that as well.
1: Yes, it's it's creating an artificial shortage of a product, yep. right? Um, it's it's in uh, much the same way that amiibos work. Yep. Right, where Nintendo purposefully doesn't make enough amiibos to make them seem rare. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what Disney likes to do is they like to artificially increase the value of their products by you know creating artificial scarcity. Yep. So that way they can charge triple what retail price retail price should be. Right. And so, you know, we're yeah, I don't know. Like I don't want to see Disney be like, "Oh, if you want Alien, you better buy it now." You know, it's going to be it's going to be ridiculous. Yeah.
0: My other concern is old movies like Alien. What's going to happen to them cuz you see with Disney, a lot of their old stuff like Fantasia has been censored because it's been deemed yeah, that's, inoffensive. That's it's true been deemed. Too. Are we
1: going to get Disney releases of, you know, like Alien, Predator, Terminator, Die Hard. Are we going to get Disney releases that have had like some of the violence cut out, or mm-hmm. you know, some of that? Like, I don't know that I would go so far as to say, are they going to try to get PG thirteen releases of these yeah. movies? I don't know that they would do that. That seems a little bit weird. But are we going to get like edited versions? Type. Yeah. So this whole the whole Disney Fox buyout, um, it scares me and. Both in terms of, you know, corporate America is just out of fucking control right now. I mean, we can get into what's going on in the video game industry and what's going on in the uh, music industry. Yeah, EA. Um, We won't get into that right now. But, like, it's out of control. And Disney is sort of one of the biggest examples of that right now with this buyout. And it's legitimately scary. And then, like I said, on an artistic side, um, is Disney gonna give you know directors the freedom that they need to make the movies that Fox was making? The short answer is no, they won't. Yeah, because Disney likes to control everything. None of their movies are directed by directors; they're directed by a, a you know a fucking board of businessmen, right? They own the Planet of the Apes series now too. I Forgot. Nah. <laughs> I mean that was going. I mean, eh, you know, <laughs> that that one I I don't feel too sad about.
0: But yeah, but I'm just waiting for the Disney remake of it now.
1: That's true too, because um, with these new Planet of the Apes movies, there was sort of the trilogy of them, and you know I don't want to spoil anything. But at the end of the uh, at the end of the third one, um, it sort of concluded itself. Right. Yeah. So you had that trilogy, so it's kind of over, which means Disney is free to just do their own thing. So you fucking know they want to turn it into a cinematic universe. Oh yeah. You know they do. Or even if not a cinematic universe, at least a never-ending franchise. Yep. Um and that's another thing that I'm concerned about with you know, uh Terminator, Alien, and Predator. Are they going to try to like turn that into a cinematic universe and merge all these properties? That I would say is
0: probably it's probably a yes if they, it even crosses a
1: thought in their mind, like they. Oh, you know, somebody's already thought about yeah. you know um, at mean, least Alien and Predator.
0: They've they've done it before with Alien, Predator, and Terminator in the comics. Has Terminator shown up in the comics? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so there is already the source material. I'm sure. That'll be brought to whatever Disney executive that, hey, look, this has happened.
1: We can do this now because it's already happened. Yeah, and so, yeah, I'm just, I'm really not happy about this buyout at all. And one of the things that pisses me off the most is apparently Disney was really interested in getting their hands on Futurama. Oh, yeah, for whatever reason, I don't, I didn't,
0: I don't think they ever stated the reason, but they were really adamant about getting Futurama.
1: And that's deeply depressing to me because, I mean, maybe not so much the more current Futurama episodes, but at a certain point in Futurama's history, they were legitimately the smartest show on television. Yeah, Like, I mean, on the surface, you could look at it as like, oh, they're just an animated, you know, fucking sitcom in the future, and everything's all wacky, and Fry's kind of a dumbass, and whatever but mm-hmm. when you really dig into it and you really start understanding how intelligent that series is it's crazy like they had how many PhDs on the writing staff <laughs> it's fucking mind-blowing yeah. um, and it's also one of the most like emotionally true uh, uh, animated shows. You know, like, The Simpsons has never made me cry. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is point to the episode with Fry's the dog in Futurama. Yeah. The fucking episode is the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life.
0: Like, the time lapse of just show it, showing it just waiting outside yeah. of the pizza place and
1: slowly dying. Oh, my God. Like, like I legitimately cried. Yeah, no. And that, I've never cried at a cartoon before. That show gets legitimate emotion from you. And knowing how Disney tells stories... At least now, like Disney yeah. used to be good storytellers, but the way they tell stories now, like, if uh, Cartoon, it's Cartoon Network that was producing the more current uh, episodes of Futurama, right? I believe so. I do not remember.
0: It's either Cartoon Network or Comedy Central. I don't remember if they sold off from Comedy oh, Central. Oh, yeah,
1: it's one of the two. I know that they air on Adult Swim, but yeah. a lot of
0: shit airs on Adult Swim. It's basically one giant syndication
1: block. Yeah, pretty much. But I, either way, like the the episodes haven't been great for the past couple of years. But I can mm-hmm. only imagine how much worse they're gonna get under Disney, if Disney keeps producing episodes. That's uh, true. They could just
0: like uh, maybe they, they, they could just cancel it, like they did with the Star Wars Clone Wars 2008 cartoon.
1: Yeah, maybe they just want to syndicate the shit out of it. I don't know, but uh, whatever it is, I can tell you, it's probably not gonna be good. <laughs> I have a feeling that they wanted this
0: because they saw. It gets a lot of viewers. It gets a lot, you know, and with viewers is the revenue from that. Yeah. And they probably didn't like that somebody else had all that revenue from a show.
1: All right. So let's let's move on from the, the Disney debacle. Mm. What else is going on in the industry right now? What else is going on? Uh, yeah, what do you want to talk about? There
0: are a few movies coming out that have interested me. Specifically,
1: Annihilation. Yes, Annihilation looks fascinating. I haven't read the books. Neither I by. I didn't. I had never even heard of the books until I saw the trailer for Annihilation. Yes. Uh, would you like to describe
0: the trailer for it or what the movie's about?
1: Um. So, I'll describe what somebody else described. All right. Um. What they basically said about the books is that it's like taking Arrival, which is another great movie, by the way, yep. and mashing it together with Lovecraft. That right there sounds fucking amazing. And then you put the director of Ex, Ex Machina you know. at the head of it. It just sounds like a fucking amazing movie to me. Yep. Um, so I'm really excited for that. Trailer looks a little bit... uh, it, The trailer looks a little bit made for TV to me, actually, in terms of the production value. But the story looks really interesting. I will mm-hmm. say though, I as much as I want to, I can't take Queen Amidala <laughs> fucking seriously, man. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been able
0: to take Natalie Portman seriously no. in a role recently, and
1: especially in that trailer, she looks like a child dressed up like a GI Joe. I mean, that's what I, I thought she was at she first. Lo- she has like a tiny head in that big ass uniform, holding a gun. It just it looks wrong. Like, I'm hoping that she'll change my mind in the movie. I'm hoping that she's great in the movie and that she fits the role perfectly. But just looking at her in the trailer, it looks so off and out of place. Yeah. Also, it's fucking creepy how she hasn't aged. Right? Right? It's fucking oh my disturbing. God, so, yeah. No, I'm excited about Annihilation. That looks awesome. Yep.
0: Um, an- another, another one I'm interested in is All the Money in the World. Yes,
1: that's, that's what I was about to say. Which... All- at All the, the Money in the World this, comes out next Friday. Yeah. Um. So do you want to talk about the uh... – <laughs> do you want to talk about it? Kevin Spacey? Do you want to talk about it? All right. So All the Money
0: in the World is based on a true event where the richest man in the world at the time, Jay Getty, his grandson gets kidnapped. What year does one it take place in? It's like uh, the 19... 60s or 70s. It's either the 60s or 50s, I believe. Okay and it's about them trying to find his grandson and he and the the title of the movie comes from the fact that he said he would not pay all the money in the world to get his grandson back.
1: Uh I don't think that's the line but it's not we'll, the exact we'll it's paraphrasing. It. All right. Fine. It's
0: pretty much what he said in real life though. All right. Well, but what, from okay.
1: there first of all let me say, yeah. all right. Ah, um, oh, son of a bitch! What's his name? The director? Um, oh, uh, Ridley Scott. Yeah, Ridley Scott. So I have sort of a love hate relationship with Ridley Scott. Mm-hmm. Alien is one of my favorite sci-fi's. Um, but from there, uh, like Ridley Scott in terms of his sci-fi movies, I hate almost all of them. Yeah. I now Blade Runner is a weird case. Like I love the look and feel of Blade Runner. Yeah. But I think even most people who like Blade Runner would say the story is a little bit questionable. <laughs> Especially if you watch the original cut of it with <laughs> Harrison mm. Ford's shit-tastic monologue over the whole thing. Uh-huh. Um but you know, uh, especially you look at what he's doing with the Alien franchise currently, where it's like you have Prometheus, and then you have Alien... What was it Covenant. called? Covenant? And then you have the new Alien movie. Which... Is he directing? Yes, okay. I believe so. But... It, Prometheus and Alien Covenant are both just terrible movies. Alien Covenant is worse than Prometheus. For sure. Prometheus is at least sort of weirdly interesting. It has some like odd ideas that are sort of interesting going on in there. The problem is he doesn't explore any of them. They just bring (laughs) them up, and then, okay. (laughs) They just don't talk about it. So Mm. it's a really frustrating movie for me to watch. And, of course, it looks digital as fuck. Yeah. Um. Because, you know, it was shot digital, and then there's just shit tons of CG all over the place. Um, and then you look at Alien Covenant, which was supposed to be, at least how it was marketed to us, it was supposed to be, you know, like, oh, we're going back to Alien, like right? They're, they're on a ship, and the alien mm-hmm. creature that isn't quite a xenomorph, but whatever, is, like, running loose on the ship and murdering people. Yep. That was only, like, the last half hour of the fucking movie. The, the first chunk of the movie the first like hour and a half is the you know is essentially a sequel to Prometheus
0: yeah the weird discussion between uh Guy Pierce's character and Guy Michael Guy Pierce's Fass-
1: character <laughs> the weird discussion between his character and his character basically
0: <laughs> yeah between Guy Pierce and Michael Fassbender and then from there oh wait a minute pretty much nothing who happens. plays David again Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender, right?
1: I got him mixed up. Yes. Right. So it's a weird discussion between Michael Fassbender and Michael Fassbender. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Um, so basically, you look at it, uh, Ridley Scott's sci-fi's, yeah. and they're, except for the first Alien, yeah. all of his sci-fi's are really sloppy. Now, Blade Runner looks great, but the story itself is sloppy. You know, if you mm-hmm. would, if you would put that. Uh, story into the hands of just another director it would just be a shitty you know 80s sci-fi that got lost to the to time yeah um so he made it look great and i'll get i give him credit for that yeah um so i'm not sure and i won't get into
0: the sequel of that but i i'm not sure how dennis villeneuve would have directed the original denny denny however the fuck you pronounce his (laughs) french ass name denny villeneuve Didn't even know, but he did a great job with the sequel to it. Yeah, I would like. I Um, do wonder what it would have been like if he directed the original.
1: Yeah, um, well, having seen the sequel, it wouldn't have been as dense visually, for sure. We know that, but anyway. So, in terms of in terms of Ridley Scott, though, so his sci fi's are sloppy as fuck, and he always tries to. It seems like he's always trying to say something. Mm-hmm. You know, profound with his sci-fi's, and it just falls flat on their faces. Um, but when you look at his drama, his mm-hmm. his dramas, right? You look at um, American Gangster. Yep. Uh, you look at Thelma and Louise. and Louise, um, Matchstick Man, which most yep. people don't really know. Matchstick Man, but that's a good movie too. Um, if you look at his uh, dramatic work, yeah, it's much better. Right? Even uh, Black Hawk Down was him, right? Um, His dramatic work is so much better than his sci fi work. And I've been saying for years since he started fucking up the Alien franchise that he needs to just go back to doing dramas. It's what he's good at. Mm -hmm. And finally, he listened to me because I know, like, you know. Oh, yeah. He he likes to listen to You know, when we have conversations, I say, you know, you should totally just. Deeply personal. Yeah. Um, But no, so now we get all the money in the world. Yep. And the trailer looked great. Oh, yeah. Uh, and when you when you see Kevin Spacey in it, yeah, it looks like he's buried in prosthetics, but whatever. You know, Kevin Spacey's a great actor. Mm-hmm. And then.
0: And then it was supposed <laughs> to release on well, the 10th of December. Yeah. And I was looking forward to that. And then I went to look up showtimes, like, a few days before so I could go see it. And where the fuck did it go? It wasn't there on the slate anymore. So I look into it, and it turns out they pushed it back to the 22nd of December to replace Kevin Spacey with another actor.
1: Yeah, I, and I don't think that's news to anybody. Um, like, I'm sure anybody hearing this is, already knows that. Oh, yeah. Because it's big news. You know, Kevin Spacey had his, um, his his the you know, the thing the Weinstein
0: effect happened to him.
1: Yeah. I disagree with that name, but all right. Yeah, that's what they're calling it now, so. Whatever. Point is, Kevin Spacey had the thing. We'll just call it the thing cuz I don't want to get into it right now yep. cuz that's a whole fucking other conversation. Oh, yeah. And so they decided um, you know, PR would be better. Let's replace him with mm-hmm. uh I don't know uh, who the hell they replaced son-
0: him with. I can never remember his name.
1: Uh Christopher Plummer. Ah. Uh, who a lot of people would know more recently from the uh, American remake of Girls Sharing a Tattoo. Yep. Um, He's a great actor, right? But the whole thing just comes off as completely fucking pointless. Ham-fisted. Ham-fisted, yeah. Well, it's like, okay, Kevin Spacey got into a bunch of shit, which means we have to completely erase him from this movie that's already finished so that people will actually come see it. How many people would have protested that movie? I mean, honestly, do you think, like, anybody gave that much of a shit?
0: There might have been, like, one or two theaters
1: with, like, three people outside. Like, but do you do you think enough people would have given a shit? No. Because what you have to remember also is this isn't, like, a big summer blockbuster movie. It's not going to do, you know... You know uh, Marvel numbers. It's not, Well, it's not going to do Marvel numbers. It's not going to do, like, Prometheus or yeah. Alien Covenant numbers either. Yeah. It's a drama... We all know dramas don't make as much money. And I don't think the the audience for that movie is the audience that would be so petulant as to be like, this movie that looks really good, I'm not going to see because the actor did something shitty. <laughs> Supposedly shitty. So, well, yeah, we're, we're not going to get into that, that. That's a whole... We're not going to get into that. whole like, big business. I, I kind of think if this had happened to like a Marvel movie, like if Robert Downey Jr. had got himself into some hot water, yeah. Actually, I which was... I'm surprised that has, because he's gotten himself into hot water in the past, and I'm
0: surprised that hasn't come up yet.
1: Yeah, I was I was gonna say like people might boycott that, but actually yeah. Marvel fans are such drones that they might just rally around him to protect him. Like, no, don't hurt Iron Man. Yeah, but like you you get what I'm saying, right? Where it's like it's gonna be a smaller movie, regardless. Um, just. <sighs> It it makes me mad because now we have like a bunch of other questions, right? Like are we yeah. ever gonna see the Kevin Spacey cut? What if the Kevin yeah. Spacey cut was better? You mm-hmm. know? Um and will we ever see it on Blu-ray, whatever. Y- you mean the Kevin Spacey cut? Yeah. Yeah, like uh, are we ever gonna see it on Blu-ray? I don't think we will, at least not at first. And but here's my big question. See, mm-hmm. I'm I'm a connoisseur of behind the scenes of, of, <laughs> of behind the scenes documentaries, right? Yes. yes. So uh are we ever going to see behind the scenes for all the money in the world? Because it's it's all going to include Kevin Spacey. Yeah. So that's the big question is like are they gonna like release that? At least, I mean, that's the big question for me. I know like general audiences probably don't give much of a fuck about that. Yeah, but for me, you know, like it looks like this a, a big grand sort of epic kind of drama, I would love to see behind the scenes of it. Mm -hmm. And now we're probably not going to for PR purposes. It's fucking stupid. That's the one thing. I don't know what will happen
0: with this now with all that. But I'm trying to remember back to Gladiator. Mm -hmm. One of the actors in that, I don't remember his name. And I should know it because he was like a really big name. He died during production. That's and they replaced though. him with a CG face. That's, that's different, though. Yeah, I don't think you saw the other the actor who replaced him ever in the behind the scenes.
1: Yeah. Well, again, that's different because yeah. that's more like, well, we have to finish our movie, you know, and it's sort yeah. of paying homage to the actor who died. This is literally like that actor is a PR nightmare right now. So let's pretend mm-hmm. that he doesn't exist, right? Yeah. So I have no idea what's going to happen with that. Um, either way, it's going to be a clusterfuck. Yeah, for you know. sure. Um, but yes, I am looking forward to seeing it. Like all that said, I'm still looking forward to seeing it. I still think it looks like a good movie, and I I hope Ridley Scott still has what it takes to direct drama because it's what yeah. he's always been good at. I hope like you know his his sci fi bullshit hasn't rubbed off too much. That whole thing was just a. Big shit show for with that
0: movie releasing, you know, when it went uh, with that movie being scheduled and
1: everything happening when it did. Yeah. I really wonder what would have happened if the movie had just released and then the Kevin Spacey thing came out.
0: I honestly think not too many people would give a shit.
1: Yeah. So do I. Like, I I mean, yeah. I mean, it could be worse. We could have a situation like the Louis C.K. thing. Right. Now, I was really looking into Louis C.K.'s movie, mm-hmm. um, I Love You, Daddy. Yep. I was really looking forward to seeing it. One, I love Louis C.K. as a comic. He might be my favorite stand-up comic. Um, and two, I- I'm not a big fan of his show, Louis, mm-hmm. um, but it does show that he does have like a, a really good sort of... Um, Directorial style for indie filmmaking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, I Love You, Daddy is shot in black and white. I, you know, I <laughs> fucking love black and white. I'm a black and white photographer. You know, it's a yeah. it's a real passion of mine. And so, you know, I see a uh, black and white uh, sort of uh, dark comedy uh, directed by Louis C.K. and written by Louis C.K. Like it yeah. looks fucking awesome. And then. And then a bunch of shit goes down, which again, we're not going to get into because that's an entirely different conversation, but now we're never going to see the movie. At least- I didn't even know that they canceled it. Oh, you didn't until just right now? Yeah. Yeah. um, So the movie is basically dead. Now, I mean, we might see it in like 20 fucking years or something, but as of right now, there are no plans to release it. That's really fucked. And the few people that saw a press screening all said that it was good. But within context of the the things that came out about Louis, mm. um, that it made it creepy. Where it's like, look at the movie for what the movie is, and don't try to apply real life to it. It's a fucking movie. Yeah. You know, don't don't. I mean, that's the, that's separating the artist and the art, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's a really important thing that people need to fucking learn. Yeah. It's something that's been a problem, especially for.
0: Shows like The Walking Dead, where one of the actors on the show he played like sort of like the slimy, I guess, underhanded villain where he acted where he was acted like the you know group's friend and then betrayed them, mm-hmm. and people lost their fucking minds and were literally sending him waves and waves of death threats. That's
1: true. That's a different situation though, but that right. is true. See, that's sort of the situation in reverse. Yeah, where it's like they saw him in it and then like applied that to him as a real person yep. whereas the Louis C.K. thing is sort of in reverse where it's like okay all of this shit came out about Louis C.K. Yep. so now all of this weird sexual stuff that's talked about in his movies must be him for real Yeah. right Um. and now it, m- it yeah. may be and it may not be but it's almost beside the point because even if it is him for real that doesn't stop the movie from being a good yeah. movie or a bad movie right it might even be more interesting if it if it is like him sort of admitting all this shit through the movie. I mean, that's that's sort <laughs> of artistically fascinating, right? right? Um, but now we're we're never going to get to see it. It's the same thing,
0: I guess, in a way, also with Stephen King. In his books, he likes to murder children a lot and torture them.
1: He likes to do a lot more than that to children. I mean, all you have to it. do is read Yeah, exactly. It but... Which thankfully they left out the weird child orgy from the fucking the new movie. All... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they left out the fucking from the movie. That's, you know, I right? mean, yeah, that's true. You know, at I least mean, we they... didn't have to sit through that scene. But they
0: did push it a little with the father character. He was more, yes. oh, more how he was it, in the book.
1: Yeah, it was very clear in the in the new movie that yeah. um that father character was was didn't that girl. <laughs> oh mean, yeah. They yeah, they they did push it as far as they could without literally showing it.
0: Yeah, and that's something my point being is that was creepy and you know, you know, some of the things that was that scene especially was kind of creepy and weird back when the book came out. Yeah. But nowadays people look at it and for whatever reason are accusing him of a, being a wannabe child murderer.
1: <sighs> yeah, and that's sad and depressing.
0: <laughs> Very.
1: <laughs> but but yeah. People are people are just people really do have a serious problem mm-hmm. with separating the person from their art. I mean, yep. l- look at um Bill Cosby. Right? <laughs> I mean, honestly, like yeah. yes, the shit that Bill Cosby did is absolutely fucking horrible, right? That's mm-hmm. awful that doesn't stop his stand-up from being hilarious. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, you look at some of his old stand-up specials, they're still great. Like, they still hold up to this day. And, you know, they're fantastic examples of of things that should be studied, you know? Mm-hmm. For, like, comedi- for up-and-coming comedians who want to break into comedy, you should go study Bill Cosby regardless of your personal feelings about him now. The only problem is now if
0: people see that you... St- That you sort of you've you've looked at his stuff and you've sort of been like, oh, yeah, that works. It's pretty funny. I can, you know, learn from that. People are going to harass you to death about it because they're going to think you're you're just Cosby all over again.
1: Well, like, yeah, even um, comedians who a few years ago, you know, held Cosby up as like the greatest comedian to ever live, yeah. now they're not allowed to talk about him anymore. Now they're not allowed to talk about how much of an influence he was on them. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to sort of disown him. And again, yes, the shit that Cosby did was fucking awful in every way possible. Yeah, But that, again, it doesn't stop his work. From being great. Yeah. And that's something I think that people really need to learn. Because it's starting to be a problem. For you, sure. You know, it, it's legitimately starting to be a problem. Where it's like all of these actors are being, you know, cast out of Hollywood for doing this or doing that. Uh, and now people... And stuff that may or may not have happened. Uh, sure, in some that, cases. That's,
0: I would say, the case with Brett Ratner. Mm, yeah. Because that that's something where it's a... So far from what I've seen, it's an unsubstantiated claim. Yeah, I don't think anybody actually really cares though. Because <laughs> Brett Ratner he made the third X Men movie, which was very divisive. Or yeah. It it divided people quite a bit. And so nobody really gives a shit about Brett Ratner.
1: Yeah, well, see that's the thing. The longer this has gone on, it's like the lesser and lesser known people in Hollywood are oh, yeah. starting to like, you know. But um, you know, point being, you know, all of these actors are being, you know, tossed out of Hollywood for this and that, and it's getting to a point where it's like, you can't even talk about these actors anymore. You can't talk about how great an actor Kevin Spacey is. Yeah. You know? Some um, of,
0: you know, even roles that he's been in, you can't even mention anywhere near.
1: Yeah. I mean, it it really is getting to that point where it's like you try to bring up like how great a movie seven is. And then people are like, Oh, but fucking Kevin Spacey. And it's like, it's not the point, right? It's the movie. It's the storytelling and it's the performance. It's got nothing to do with him as a, as a, as the real him, right? It's got nothing to do with it. He's a fucking actor, you know, look at his work. Don't look at him. And now to be clear, I'm not saying that we should ignore everything that he's done. That's not what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. but I'm saying in terms of the work, it shouldn't enter in. Yeah. Right. And that's something that's starting to drive me crazy right now because we're starting to lose a lot of good people. And again, not that what they've done shouldn't be punished in some way. Yeah. Um, if it is true, of course. Some of the unsubstantiated stuff they right. don't Right. And, be, and I, I don't I don't want to get it. into all of that right now. I'm just but, saying like I'm yeah. I I'm tired of feeling like we're losing a lot of like great movies and great mm-hmm. actors um just because in real life they did something fucked up and yeah. now you know we're not allowed to to talk about how good of an actor they are or how good of a director they yeah. are or how good of a comedian they are yeah. because people just assume oh so you support rape no yeah i They're... support their work it's different yeah the
0: one interesting one that i'm still i i'm not sure how i feel on it because i really didn't study it was Darren Malakian, he's the guitarist for System of a Down and the front man for uh, Scars on Broadway, was talking about uh, Charles Manson's death. Because mm. he died recently in prison, and he was talking about how uh, his theoretical work, you know, his writings, and the music that Charles Manson actually made. Back in the 70s. Yeah. Uh was really influential on his playing and his writing style. And Which I find weird because Guns N' Roses actually covered a song from Charles Manson.
1: See, I, but... I really feel like that's more just an edgy thing because yeah. I like I've heard the music that Charles <laughs> Charlie Manson has made. It's I mean Charlie it's Manson. Charlie. I'm gonna call him Charlie. <laughs> Charlie. Like I've heard the music yeah. that he's made and it's not bad. No. But it's not good. Like it's just completely generic run of the mill yeah. fucking whatever music.
0: Yeah, but it's not even the music that he's inspired by. It's the writings he's made, the the environmental, uh, the environmental statements he's made, mm. and all that. And you know, not he doesn't like him as a person, but somebody dug up. I think it was an old interview of him saying that Charles Manson's work was influential on his writing style for music mm-hmm. and all that. And use that to try and crucify him.
1: Yeah, I mean that's pretty much where we are as a <laughs> as a uh, country right now, really. Yeah, I mean it. It really does. Like the best example I think I can come up with is Hitler, because I mean yes, Hitler is a giant meme right now. But oh yeah, point is if yes, the shit that Hitler did was probably the worst shit that any human being <laughs> has ever done. <laughs> Right. So far, so, so far. Hey, let's not tempt Trump.
0: <laughs> hey, if you're listening, Trump, you know, uh, <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh my God, but... no. Um,
1: <laughs> but like, so you take Hitler, yeah. And I think most people know that he was a painter, right? Mm-hmm. I, if you look at his paintings, they're actually pretty good. Oh, like, yeah. they're they're not like amazingly mind blowing, but they're decent paintings. Oh. But if you go up to almost anybody and be like, you know what, Hitler was actually an okay painter, <laughs> they'll be like, what the. F- Fuck, are you like a white supremacist, you fucking Nazi? No. I just recognize that a terrible person made a decent work of art, yeah. right? Like, it's a there's a massive difference. And not even
0: getting into the whole literally calling everybody a Nazi for the smallest thing.
1: Uh, no, we're not going there. To no. The political correctness argument. Yeah. We may talk about that in the future, but not right now.
0: No. Because that does play into the entertainment industry and it does, what in a big people way. write and how, what they direct. And, right. It does. And how they do it.
1: But so, all
0: that out of the way. <laughs> on to some lighter stuff. There's two, uh, we have two different opinions about something. Do we? The no Jurassic one? World trailer. The new one. We, Fallen I, Kingdom. We have two different opinions on it? I think it looks sort of interesting. It looks like a Hollywood blockbuster piece of shit.
1: And <laughs> that's sort of interesting.
0: But it's more of the director of a J.A. Bayona is a horror director
1: mainly. Yeah, I know. Um I just watched uh a Monster Calls. Yeah. Which he directed. Yeah.
0: And I find it I find that interesting and I'm interested to see, you know, did we see all of like, did we just see all of Hollywood splooge in that trailer? And the rest of it, isn't that,
1: or is okay, that but, all of the movie? Okay, so a couple of things. Yeah. Um, a monster calls isn't a horror; it's a it's a drama. Yeah, but it was it was good. You yeah. know, I had some problems with it here and there, but overall, it was it was a good movie. Um, but so the horrors that he directed was what the orphanage. Yes, which has good critical uh, appeal. I, yeah. haven't I haven't seen it. I haven't seen. I've all been the way meaning through. to. Um, and what was but what was the other horror? That I he do did? not remember. Mm. It um, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, point is, so after I watched The Monster Calls, I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? This guy, he's he appears to be a good director. Yeah. Right? Um, That being said, like we were talking about with Disney, do you really think that he's directing the new one? Or is it? A, a fucking board of businessmen who think they know what an audience wants to see, just like uh, Jurassic World what, uh, 1 was. Right? Uh, before we get... Because I want to get a little into
0: Jurassic World a bit. The first one? Uh Yes, the first Jurassic World, not the new one. I don't know, because I think it's a little bit of both. Because it does look like... You know, that big, over-the-top CGI vomit all over the screen.
1: It does, in a big way. Yeah.
0: But I'm not going to discount, you know, the fact that J.A. Bayona pushed to have, you know, a a lot, a lot of practical effects over CG. The I'll... CG that, as far from what I could tell, they only use CG to show, you know, the dinosaurs, like, running like that.
1: I'll believe it when I see it.
0: Yeah. I can tell a lot, there's a lot of the animatronics at the end with them uh,
1: being, the spoiler the trailer, alert,
0: yeah, mean. spoiler alert at the for end of the a trailer. trailer? People get pissed about this, trust If you me.
1: get pissed about spoilers for a trailer, fuck yourself, yeah. I'm sorry.
0: Essentially, the whole plot is the volcano on Isla Nublar, Isla Nublar is going to erupt, it does, and they are on like a, Noah's Ark quest to get the dinosaurs off the island, mm-hmm. you know, save the fucking dinos. And there's a scene where it shows the island being, I guess, from the inside of a transport going away from the island with a bunch of dinosaurs and pens. And those dinosaurs and pens are all animatronics.
1: See, here's the thing, though, is like, okay, mm-hmm. whenever a director makes a push for, okay, we're gonna do as much practical as we can, yeah. right? Like um, uh, uh, Blade Runner... 20, 2049. 2049. Um, great. Like, I'm all down for it. I'm 100% yeah. behind that decision. If a director makes a push to shoot on film, all down for it. Yeah. 100% behind that decision. But ultimately, what matters most is the story. Yeah. And I do not have faith that there's any kind of reasonable story behind it. Like, I just don't. Like, Jurassic yeah, World... Yeah, it does seem
0: all over the place. Jurassic
1: World was a, a studio bit. nightmare. It was just yeah. like... Let's fucking throw in as much uh, fan service as possible. You remember in the in, in Jurassic Park when you know Ian whipped out the flare? Well, here's the flare again. Right. You remember the uh, uh, original T Rex? Well, here it is again. You, you know, know, and I, to a point, like
0: that's fucking shit. To a point, though, I can't really discredit the movie for doing that because that's what the Lost World was. It was full of those references to older movies that Spielberg was inspired by, like the, uh, filled to the yes, brim. Yes, but
1: here's the difference that Spielberg was inspired by, yeah. not trying to uh, garner fan service. Right? right. Yeah. There's a difference. There's a big difference. Right? Mm-hmm. So when you're basically trying to get people excited over nostalgia, it's different from putting in references to movies that inspired you personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? There's a big difference there, and like I said. All of these movies now are not directed or written by the directors or the writers. Yeah. Right? They're direct they're they're directed and written by board members. Yeah. And so I just like, I mean, I'm gonna wait until this thing is in yeah. Redbox for a dollar and then I'll see it and then we'll see. Yeah. But like from the trailer, it doesn't look any different from Jurassic World. Mm. It looks exactly the same. You know, it it just looks like they took You know, uh, okay, so Jurassic World did reasonably well. We'll just make a second one, and we'll tell a similar story, and it's just, you know, it's going to be just another one of the same movie, which we've seen happen over and over and over and over again with different franchises.
0: And my problem definitely comes from worry about Spielberg because he's, like, all for this. (sighs) Like
1: Spielberg is a whole conversation in and of itself.
0: Yeah. But the one thing about that I actually want to bring up about the first Jurassic World was the fact about its it had a message of bigger, badder, more teeth, whatever you know, more excitement. That's all people want to see, and that was the downfall of the park. But the problem is they got lost in doing that themselves while trying to be a deconstruction of it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't know that they were trying to be a deconstruction of it. I think they sort of happened across that accidentally because you're mm. right. Like all It was th- a
0: theme in the first one as well, though.
1: Yes. The first Jurassic Park. Yes, it was, but the difference is the first Jurassic Park had talent behind it.
0: Yeah. I guess that's more effect of what, what I'm trying to say with that is Jurassic Park 1... Knew what it was doing, had the talent to do what it was doing behind it. Jurassic World wanted to imitate that a bit, but didn't have, probably didn't think about it at first. And then when they realized it, they didn't have the creative ability or the talent to back it up.
1: I just think they didn't give a fuck. Mm. I mean, it's... I don't
0: know. I still hate the first Jurassic World, even more than three. Because yeah. I at least like, found entertainment in three.
1: There, there's entertainment value to be had in three, even if it's um sort of so bad it's good kind of entertainment. Yeah. Because the third one is pretty goofy. Like, a lot of yeah. its animatronics are, like, goofy oh, as yeah. hell, where you just see, like, this weird, rigid dinosaur just pivoting on one point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the there's a lot of goofy shit in yeah. it, and there's some entertainment. There's some charm to be yeah. had in that. I did and enjoy
0: I, it did have proper use of how CG should be used when the Spino and the Rex were battling, where they used CG to enhance
1: the muscles moving on the big animatronic. Yeah, they didn't do the entire thing, CG. They used CG to enhance what they filmed physically, yes.
0: And I'll give it that, but I'll also give it that Joe Johnston, the director of the third one, set out to make a certain type of movie, and he made it. In the behind the scene, and what I mean is be, in the behind-the-scenes for Jurassic Park 3, he said that he set out to make an entertaining movie that sold lots of popcorn. He made that. Uh, <laughs> At I the mean, least. People I hated guess. it because they came to expect a much higher standard from Jurassic Park. Right,
1: that's the thing. But, is people should expect a higher standard, not yeah. just from Jurassic Park, but from movies in general. Everybody, like, Hollywood is so invested now in just making, like, oh, people will be entertained because it's colorful and there are lots of explosions and we'll sell popcorn. Nobody's interested in telling a story anymore. That's yeah. why when I see huge budget movies, you know, like the Marvel movies, like the Star Wars movies, like Jurassic World, um, I, I can't help but assume that it's going to be crap. And it the fact mm-hmm. that the trailer isn't a good trailer... Especially
0: with Colin Trevorrow being the main story driver behind this new movie. mm. Like, he is the screenwriter for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. He's the Joss Whedon
1: now of this new Jurassic
0: World trilogy.
1: And, yeah, so, I mean, the the only movies that I get excited for anymore are movies by directors or writers that I already trust inherently. Like, David Fincher... Or uh, you know Quentin Tarantino or Denny Villeneuve. like these are guys that almost consistently make great movies. They might have you know stumbled over mm-hmm. you know one or maybe two movies here and there, but overall their their catalog of movies have been extraordinary. Yeah, you know, and it's and I, I'm not saying that literally every movie has to. Raise itself to the level of the greatest movie that you've ever seen, right? I'm not saying that. It's just, it seems like the movies that are coming out now are either great or literally nobody tried, right? There's no in between anymore. The last in between movie that I saw was War Dogs, where it's like, this is a good movie. This Mm -hmm. movie is what you should expect from, like, you know, you go to the cinema, you pick out any movie to watch, it should at least raise to this level of like it has good characters where you can follow their wants and needs, they have character arcs, and it has good pacing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's sort of your, it, the standard of what movies used to be and yeah. aren't anymore. So when I saw War Dogs, I was like, holy shit, I haven't seen this movie in a long time or or this kind of movie in yeah. a long time where it's like, it's not the best of the best But it's good enough not to make my brain hurt while I'm watching it, you know? Most movies that are coming out now, I sit there and I watch it, and I'm just like, why is this happening? Why is this character doing this? Who the fuck wrote this nightmare? Yeah. The one movie that's coming out along that lines
0: that I think could reach that, I don't think it's ever going to reach greatest of the greatest, Uh is the movie Downsizing. It yes. looks interesting. It looks original. Yeah. No It is original from what I know of it, which is something we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I I completely but, agree. I don't think downsizing looks like it's gonna, you know, fucking sweep the Oscars or anything, but it looks like it could be just like a, a decent, entertaining movie with a unique concept. Um, you know, it it you're right, it does look yeah. like it's gonna be that sort of what you should expect is, like, the standard sort of, this is an okay movie. Yeah. You know, I can sit and watch this and be happy. And the one thing that makes me
0: sad about that is it looks like that, yet from the people that I know that actually know of the movie's existence. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's true. Nobody really knows about yeah. the movie either.
0: From the people that I know know of its existence, don't really want to give it a chance. They look, they think it's like, oh, it looks like generic, you know, science fiction,
1: Uh, not really adventure movie, but... I guess the the one thing I'll say for the yeah. trailer is that it does look like it it wants to push the whole like whimsical angle where it's yeah. like oh this is the whimsy of him being small and looking up at fucking flowers from underneath. I will say the trailer does push that a little bit hard, but like the story yeah. itself looks decent. It looks yeah. it's an interesting idea.
0: Yeah, but because of that whimsical thing that the trailer pushes is from the people I've talked to, they're not even going to give it a chance.
1: I mean, which I I, I think okay, so, so far, okay,
0: from, go for it.
1: So this is this is something else that sort of like yeah. feeds into this and what we've already been talking about. Yeah, movies now, if they don't have the audience's favorite logo, then they don't even give them a chance, mm-hmm. right? The audience recognizes and loves the Superman logo. They recognize and love Iron Man. And, you know, any of the the Marvel characters, they recognize them. If you slap their logo onto any movie, it'll make a billion dollars, and people will say how fucking great it is. Even if it was shot on an iPhone in somebody's backyard, people will still be like, this was the best movie I've ever seen because it has my favorite logo on it. As soon as something unique and original um, comes out, and to be fair, I haven't seen uh, downsizing. I don't know how unique and original it truly is. No, I don't. But as soon as you see uh, a concept like that or something that's not already uh, a known quantity, people don't give a shit. Yeah, and it makes me so sad because that's what's cultivating the the state of the industry right now is the fact that people only watch shit that they know what it is beforehand, and yet everybody's concerned about spoilers too, Mm. (laughs) right? It's like. Really? Do you think Iron Man is going to die in this one? No, he's not.
0: Yeah, no you matter know? how much they try and push that
1: oh, this character's coming to
0: an end, he's not going to come to an end.
1: No, and even if he does, they'll fucking bring him back in two movies.
0: Yeah, they're and the way that I've seen that they've gotten away with that, like cuz I know that they've had characters that have just Magically gone off and then reappeared. Yeah. Is they think it's okay because comic book logic. Because comic books do that, you know, where you have a story arc and, you know, this Robin dies at the end of the story arc and then a new writer comes along and is like, I didn't like that Robin died because I had an idea with Robin in the story. Yeah. And by the
1: way, that sucks in comics also. Oh, yeah. Like, we're not just talking about, like, oh, the movies. No, when they do shit like that in comics, it's fucking retarded too. Especially the. Death, uh, death in the
0: family storyline. I believe it was in DC Comics where they killed off uh, Jason Todd, the current Robin. Mm-hmm. They, they, they killed him at the hands of the Joker, and then he was dead. And then yeah, and that, the fans voted for that, and they got upset about it. That's a whole nother conversation. That
1: was the uh, the Red Hood movie, right? That's Batman what it under became. The Red Hood, That's yeah. what
0: it became. Yes.
1: Yeah, what it became. I don't mean that was yeah. literally, but yeah.
0: But. And feeding into that, that storyline ended. Mm -hmm. Another writing team came in. They didn't like that Jason Todd was dead. They wanted to bring him back, but they didn't know how. And so then they decided, oh, he he was resurrected by this magical thing that we've only mentioned once before, and then he became a villain. And that was what became the Red Hood movie. Or under the Red Hood movie.
1: Yeah, so basically the point is people are fixated on symbols and logos yeah. and you know. Um and and that's why um Blade Runner twenty forty nine really shocked me. Like I mm-hmm. really thought Blade Runner had a bigger following than it apparently does. Because you have all of these shit-tastic Marvel movies that don't give yeah. a fuck coming out for a year or whatever. Um and then something actually Good comes out something where a director clearly gave a a really big shit, yep. you know, um, and put a lot of effort into making it and created something great, and nobody yeah. went to see it. Nobody cared. Nobody cared, and it pisses me the
0: fuck off. Yeah, the movie flopped. Like it, let's get let's get that straight. The movie critically and audience wise was really successful, but it flopped in theaters.
1: Yeah, financially it flopped. Even though everybody who saw it loved it. Oh, yeah. It, I loved it. It So did I. It flopped financially. And it's fucking mind-blowing to me. People do not care about quality. Yeah. All they care about is does it have my favorite character in it that I've already seen in 30 other fucking movies.
0: Yeah. It's something where it plays into I'm worried for his Dune film.
1: Oh, Danny Vellanuz. Yeah. Yeah. I love remaking Dune.
0: Yeah. Let's not get into the fact that Dune will take three eight hour movies to truly understand (laughs) No, no, like yeah, but when when
1: you talk about Dune, you have to understand the novels are going to be cut down. Like it's as simple as that.
0: But Dune is a franchise that's held dear to my heart. I fucking love the novels. It was what got me into the space opera genre in the first place, which I have thoughts on Star Wars and that. Well, Star Wars isn't a space opera. It's considered one. Um, George Lucas called it one, and now it is one. It's not anymore, but especially if you look at what Disney did to it.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, especially the Disney movies, yeah. The
0: original trilogy and, to some extent, the prequel trilogy – Prequel trilogy in the fact that it went on the big tangents about politics. But it's something that got me really into that, and the fact that Denny clearly gives a shit about Dune, you know, yeah. and he's going to bring what he brought to, you know, Enemy and Sicario and Arrival and Blade Runner 2049 to that, and you, nobody's you going out, to see it.
1: Uh uh prisoners.
0: Prisoners as well. Yeah. He's gonna bring all that. To Dune, and like, nobody's gonna give a shit.
1: What, what we should say about Denis Villeneuve, yeah. is he might be the single best atmospheric director working right for now for sure, and I that mean, is you, needed for Dune. Yes, Nobody else it is. can do Dune. If you if you watch Prisoners, the mm-hmm. atmosphere in that fucking movie is just crushing, and it's it's the same with all of his movies, Enemy and Sicario. And he brought that atmosphere to Blade Runner 2049 also, even though I do think it was his weakest atmospherically yeah. because it just it didn't have the density that the original did, and it no. really needed the, the dense imagery. But the, that aside, yeah. he is the perfect director to direct Dune, something that needs that kind of atmosphere, yeah. something that thrives on its atmosphere. Yeah.
0: And to talk about Blade Runner 2049 a little bit more and what you said, it wasn't as dense as the original. It's because it didn't really follow the original. It followed the uh, the novel by Philip K. Dick, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, more than it followed the original
1: Blade Runner. Uh, to be clear, when I say dense, I'm talking mm. visually dense. Mm. Not right. story-wise. Right. I'm talking about how when you look at the original Blade Runner, you look at the city. Yeah. It's so packed and cramped well, visually. I was talking about that,
0: yeah. In the original Philip K. Dick novel, it's really sparse it is pretty much blade runner 2049 in movie and f- book form like okay, it's well, very very similar the
1: original blade runner is more impressive and it works like you yeah. know like having that really dense uh atmosphere of just like fucking city lights and shit everywhere mm-hmm. people crammed into city streets it's great atmosphere and it's uh it looks beautiful you know yeah if you if you like just freeze frame some of those shots, I mean, you could sell them as high art. Oh yeah, you know. And the 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 remake didn't really, or not the remake, the the sequel, Twenty Forty Nine, didn't really have that.
0: It had a few, but other than
1: that. And like I, to be fair, uh, I liked the the very opening of it, where mm-hmm. it opens and it's like very empty and foggy, and it just you know, there's really nothing there except this little house in the middle of fucking nowhere, right? That's cool. Like, I'm not talking about mm-hmm. that. What I'm talking about is when they're actually in the city, right? It needed to look like the original, and it just yeah. doesn't.
0: Yeah. Uh, was it... I can't remember, but was it still in L.A.?
1: The original the new was in
0: L.A. Uh, thought the original was... The original was San Francisco. No. Was
1: it? The city was
0: never named. It was never named? No. I can't remember then. <laughs> Because <laughs> the original book was San Francisco. Oh, if
1: you're talking about the book, I don't know. But Well, the, the book because... was
0: San Francisco, but I I, I was reading. I haven't and... read the yeah. books. I should be clear. Yeah, about that. but I was reading about, it and I think the city in the movie was L.A. In
1: the movie, it's never actually named. Yeah,
0: it's never named, but I think in the scripts, it's L.A. It's better not having it but named. But, yeah. Aside from that, I, I like the new one a lot. You know, at following the original story of it, adapting it to being a sequel to oh, the original Blade Runner. In
1: in terms of story, 2049 mm-hmm. is a much better story than the original Blade Runner movie, Yeah, right? It's a much better story in, in just about every way.
0: Yeah. The one thing that I guess I was... I'm not too sad about it as it was more of a little, you know, I had gotten an expectation in my head that I... Sh- that I probably shouldn't have had and was a bit disappointed was the fact it wasn't a cyberpunk movie.
1: Yeah, but neither was the original, really.
0: Uh, the original is a cyberpunk movie, I would though. call
1: it light cyberpunk.
0: It It is kind of light, but it's still cyberpunk. Because it's the, not as heavy as is, something like Neuromancer, but...
1: The, the thing is, uh, and again, I'm talking about the movie, not the book. Yeah, same. Um, it's, it was much more a noir than it was a cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, is the 2049 was also missing the noir elements <laughs> so that was yeah. something else that disappointed me is like the the contrast of the actual imagery wasn't nearly sharp enough right you yeah. needed to have those heavy um, shadows just looming over everything like the original had yeah and it was it was really just sort of flat not a whole lot of contrast and it it was yeah I was disappointed by that but see this is like the perfect example of what we were of what I was talking about. Yeah is like, ultimately, yes, it's missing the the true cyberpunk elements, it's missing the noir elements, the the scenery in it isn't quite right, but the story. The story is everything at a certain point, and it told a great story in a great way. Mm -hmm. And so it made it a good movie, right? And I would much rather have a great story than a movie that looks flawless, but clearly they didn't fucking try with the story. Yeah. You know? And I, w- I would bring up um, Ghost in the Shell. Oh, that. yeah. Not that that movie looks flawless, because it doesn't, but uh, cle- Which one, the animated or the live-action? Oh, sorry, the live-action one, right? Oh, okay. Not that that movie looks flawless, because it doesn't, yeah. but clearly you can tell that they were pushing the visuals above all else. They didn't give a fuck about the story. They didn't give a fuck about the characters. Yeah. And it's very clear because... The the storyline and the the character herself, um, the major, kind of run in opposition to what the original story was supposed to be. Like they really fucked that one up. Yeah, you know. I've never seen the full movie in one
0: sitting. Oh, I have it on Blu-ray. You need and, to watch it. <laughs> uh, the not the anime. I've seen the animated one all the way through. Oh, you're one talking sitting. about the live-action one. Yes.
1: Oh. It's it gets hard to watch. after yeah, a Yeah, that's why
0: I never finished it in one sitting. I always had to go back to it.
1: Yeah, and to be clear, you know, like I'm yeah. I'm not. I don't want to come off as like one of those people that just says, "Oh, the remake is worse just because it's a fucking remake." Yeah. Or and you know, I'm not trying to be like an anime nerd that's like, <laughs> "Oh, the anime was better." Any remake, live action remake, is just gonna be ass. No, right? Um, the the anime Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. The original movie has flaws, too. Like, it is not a perfect movie no. by any means. No, no, no. But, um, like, you can tell the people who worked on it really fucking cared. They did. Right? Especially when it comes to the visuals, because oh, the, yeah. the visuals in that movie are extraordinary. It's phenomenal. Like, there's a, there's a section in the middle of the movie where the story just... Takes a break. Like the story just sort of fucks off for about five uh, minutes.
0: You're talking about the scenery shots, right? Yeah. And you're just looking
1: at shots of the city that don't even have our main character in them. And it brings so much atmosphere and it's so beautifully animated. Yeah. You know? And the live action movie is just doesn't have any of that. Yeah. Like I was really wondering when I went into the live action movie if they were even going to attempt to do that part of the movie. Mm -hmm. And they didn't. You know, not, they didn't do anything close. Like, the, the live-action movie is essentially a mashup of the original movie, the sequel, and standalone complex. They just, like, fucking shoved all of that into uh, two hours, or it was about two hours. It was, like, two hours and 17 minutes or something like that. Okay. But like, they just tried to shove all of that together, and then, boom, there's your movie. We put in some sort of unique visuals, mostly yeah. at the beginning. Like, all of the, like, really crazy visuals that you see in the trailer— are all from the like first 20 minutes of the movie and then i guess the dp died <laughs> or something and, <laughs> and they just sh- fuck it we'll just shoot whatever bullshit but yeah um mm-hmm. from story is most important yeah right even if you don't nail the visuals if you don't nail the acting uh or or whatever else if you tell a good story that that's what's most important and that's yeah. what the film industry has completely fucking forgotten
0: yeah. And speaking about uh the original animated Ghost in the Shell and a little more on the live action one. The real in the live action one the really the things that I remember from it were just homages to
1: the original movie. Yeah, no, uh straight up, yeah. And that's what I was the saying. The water fight scene, for example. Yes. Um which they're like, Which was
0: really poorly done. <laughs>
1: yeah, they're like we did it shot for shot and yes they did, but yeah. Pointlessly, because they completely changed the entire meaning of that scene, right? Yep. Of the character that she was actually fighting was a really important part of the Ghost in the Shell sort of um, mystery, yeah. right, in the original. In this, he's just an asshole killing people. Like, you can't get rid of that. You know, it's, it's fucking important to the story. Yeah. Um, But, Yeah. Um that's that's all that was there for is because oh people like this scene in the original movie, so let's just redo it but live action. What's yeah. the point of that? Uh the
0: point of it is it fills more seats because people see, oh look, nostalgia, they're gonna go see it now.
1: Right. Um and then they leave disappointed. Yep.
0: And that's the thing. And that's the thing. Then, then the thing. they end up is, seeing it again though.
1: Is nobody Right, like, nobody at the heads of these studios gives a shit if they leave the audience disappointed because they got their money up front anyway. Oh, yeah. So nobody cares.
0: And I have a whole lot of respect for the original, which was a, uh, for one, a great cyberpunk film. Sure. And for two, it clearly took the best of its influences of Blade Runner and Akira. Yep, and turned it into this beautiful, well done film.
1: Sure. Um. And like I say, I have a lot of issues with the the actual it, story in that movie. It but does have a issues. Conversation for another yeah,
0: time. that's that seems to be a big problem with a lot of cyberpunk material. Yeah, it is. Is the story because <laughs> they is. focus so much on the atmosphere? They for essentially a lot of cyberpunk feels like. Oh, you know, these are really cool images, you know, the fucking Matrix. the atmosphere is so dense and it's beautiful. Matrix. And then and then they just went, oh shit, I forgot to write a story. Matrix The Matrix. Again, <laughs> that's a movie that wears all of its inspiration on its sleeve, including oh, Blade yeah. Runner and Akira. Yeah, yeah. But this time they took the worst parts of Blade Runner and Akira <laughs> yeah. and made a movie
1: out of it. Well actually um Blade Runner and Akira were only sort of inspirations by proxy because the biggest inspiration yeah. of the Matrix was Ghost in the Shell. Yep. Um I mean, they like straight up and I mean, okay, it this is where the line between homage and ripoff gets really blurry because they straight up just like rip off shots from Ghost in the Shell. Mm-hmm. And uh we
0: don't talk about the story or the lack thereof. <laughs> yes. Or fucking whoa, dude, in the lead role. <laughs> whoa. Yeah.
1: But. Yeah, cyberpunk is kind yeah. of like a, a abused genre. It really is. Because For sure. Because nobody does it right. And really, y- you have to just sort of be happy with the ones that do it the Closest, right? You, you, you know, you gotta be happy with Akira. You gotta be yep. happy with Ghost of the Shell yep. and um, Blade Runner. Yeah, you know, um, because they're they they come the closest, you know. Yeah,
0: another one that I feel doesn't get respect, and is it's a weird it's a weird mix between psychological horror and cyberpunk, is another Philip K. Dick novel called A Scanner Darkly.
1: Ah yes,
0: which got turned into a film starring uh, Robert Downey Jr. and
1: uh, his name's Whoa, Whoa, and Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, for those for those who don't know who we're talking about, Keanu Keanu Reeves. Yep,
0: and the the book and the movie are very interesting in the visuals.
1: Yes, the movie, we should point out, is rotoscope. Yes. Which means live-action footage that's been animated on top of.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up that definition, because rotoscoping's definition has kind of changed over the years. Yeah, well, what
1: rotoscoping literally is, is basically just... um, Paint on frame. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. Um, But, it's you know, the term gets tossed around and used in various different ways. But, you know,
0: whatever. But... The the movie, all rotoscoped, um, very beautifully done. There's some great effects using the rotoscoping, such as the, uh, the suit that he wears. Yes, the suit that he wears. Yeah. And the uh, and Rory Cochran's character, when he commits suicide, mm. and the creature with the thousand eyes is reading all of his transgressions.
1: Yeah, well, all of the... Um... All of the hallucinations, yeah, all are, of the hallucinations are really cool, um, really and well done. Also, Robert Downey Jr. is great. Like that movie is the movie that made me a fan of Robert Downey Jr. because yeah. his personality just bursts through that movie. It's it's incredible to watch
0: for sure. And it's the one, it's the one cyberpunk movie that I think gets the closest in terms of storytelling to being a well told story. Mm, yeah, well,
1: yeah, probably. If it, yeah, if you're gonna talk about like the most complete story in terms yeah. of like start to finish character arc and all of yeah. that, then yeah, I would agree.
0: Yeah, and even bring. I, I will uh, say
1: I don't think it's the nearly the most interesting though.
0: No, but I think it's the performances that the actors give that makes it really interesting.
1: Yeah, Keanu Reeves seems like he gives a shit.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy crap! And, right. Yeah, Woody Harrelson's character. Oh, that's true. I forgot he was in that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, his character for me was one of my favorites. The uh, the, uh, the crazy junkie who's paranoid about everything.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, like, something else that I just really admire the shit out of that movie for is mm-hmm, there was no reason that movie needed to be rotoscoped. There was oh, yeah. no reason. But they did it because it was cool and they made it work. Yeah. Right? Cool and unique. Yeah, exactly. They they knew what they wanted to do with the visuals of it, and they did it, mm-hmm. you know, um, and because it's not a movie that you would traditionally think of as being like a big effects movie, yeah. right? Because it's it's a weird little drama, sort of day to day life of these people that are just like fucking around. Really, I mean, and yes, it has the the main story going through it. But then there are scenes of, like, they're just standing in the backyard and Robert Downey Jr. is trying to make a silencer out of a water bottle, you know? And that was fucking hilarious. And it goes nowhere. It's just a scene to give you some character, right? Because obviously it fails and the water bottle just fucking explodes, right? Like, the movie is filled with just those stupid little scenes. Uh, So if you read the script, you would not be like, oh, this is going to be a big effects movie. We're going to rotoscope (laughs) the shit out of this. Yep. Uh, But they made it work. You Yeah.
0: The funny, the one funny thing I found, a set story, is supposedly when they brought it forward and had Robert Downey Jr. reading it, at that time they decided it would be a rotoscope film. And Robert Downey Jr., didn't want to memorize his lines. Oh, So yeah, he so they literally wrote a bunch everywhere. of post-it yeah. notes and slapped them everywhere where he would be when he sang the lines. Right,
1: because the idea is if they're animating over the entire frame, they could just wear whatever clothes that they want because yep. they're just going to replace it in post. And yep, if, if cover Robert... Cover up whatever they want. Right, so Robert Downey Jr. can just put post-it notes everywhere because they're just going to animate over it anyway, so nobody will know. So he didn't have to memorize the script. Yeah. Yep. And this is kind of one of those things where you're like, one, that's douchey. Two, that's weirdly charming. <laughs> and it's completely in line with, with the character of Robert Downey Jr. Right?
0: It's, yeah. No. It, the character of him as a person in general, not in the context of the film. Yeah.
1: No. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine he's on the set of Iron Man? He's like, I need to put post-it notes.
0: You're going to rotoscope this, right, guys?
1: <laughs> like, Cut it no, out later. no, Robert. <laughs> you have to memorize your lines. God damn it.
0: Uh...
1: Anyway, we were talking about something and then just got completely fucking sidetracked.
0: Get used to it.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. We were Uh, we were we were were basically talking about um, how audiences just go see what's safe rather than you know actually taking a chance on good movies. Yes,
0: and so one thing that I think I want to try and do with this podcast when we're when we get near the releasing sec, you know, talking about new movies releasing and stuff is have our movie of choice that we can recommend everybody go out and see.
1: Yeah, not even necessarily a new release. Yeah. Right, just in general, like, go see this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I like that.
0: And for my choice, for well, this... let's let's okay. do that after the release. We'll
1: do this after the releases? Yeah. All right, fine and, by me. And to be clear, when we say releases, we're not necessarily talking about new in theaters, right? Yeah. What interests us... Is at we're both collectors, right? For sure, film collectors, and what interests us is like you know Criterion releases, Arrow releases, Shout Factory, uh, Shout Factory releases, or
0: just even like uh, DigiBook releases. Yeah, and DigiBook stuff in in releases.
1: I love DigiBooks, um, uh, or or any sort of special edition thing, big boxes, yeah, you know that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, or if there's a movie coming out in theaters like um, All the Money in the World yep. that actually looks decent, we'll talk about that too. But really, we're interested in, like, collector's stuff. For sure. So, that being said, um, should we say briefly what Criterion is for those who may not know? Uh, go for it. So, for those who don't know, the Criterion Collection is a collection of movies that is voted on by a board of people at the head of Criterion. Um, And they basically uh, vote to bring these movies in and be preserved, right? They're
0: sort of like the Library of Congress, but a private section.
1: Yes, uh, basically the idea is um, these movies that were shot on film, because there's really no reason to do this for digital movies, so Uh-oh. movies that were shot on film that are artistically relevant deserve to be um they that they, they deserve to stay around for a long time. Yep. Um Criterion will vote them in, they'll get the original negatives, they'll restore the original negatives and they will, you know, keep them in temperature controlled vaults so that they're around forever basically. Yeah. And so every now and then they release the new list of movies that get voted in and movies that are going to be released. Yeah. So, that being said. We have a few.
0: We have five, actually, that are going to be coming out in March. hmm And so this is the March list for Criterion releases. Okay. The first one we have is the movie The Passion of Joan of Arc.
1: I thought you were going to say The Passion of the Christ at first. I was going to be like, <laughs> what
0: the f-? Bulk? Yes, Criterion's releasing Passion of the Christ.
1: Hey, they've released weirder things, to be honest with
0: you. Didn't they do Antichrist?
1: Yes, they did. Antichrist that's is what in. what I thought. Yeah, that's in Criterion.
0: That's a discussion for another time, Yeah, no. Can you tell this is not scripted?
1: <laughs> not at
0: all. <laughs> not not at, all. at all. The giant tangent we just went on. All right. Anyways, so uh, do you remember a bit of what Passion of Joan of Arc is about?
1: No, not really. It's it's not a movie I ever saw.
0: Yeah, uh, it's essentially the story of Joan of Arc. Well, like I assumed, really, it, it's probably for the subject matter the best one done. When was it made? Uh, I don't fucking remember. I think it was in the well, okay. What 30s. era are we talking about? Okay, I S- don't. Yeah, nineteen twenty-eight. Okay, is it silent? Yes. Okay, I believe. Yeah, it's silent. Okay. So, the one thing that interested me about this when I looked at it is it's giving being given a new restoration like most of these movies are going through yeah, that yeah. process. And it's, you know, being presented as it would 24 frames a second, you know, the standard for that. Sure but it has an alternate presentation with it mm-hmm. where it is being presented at 20 frames a second right, with the because... original danish intertitles
1: yeah because um, silent films back in the day before you know all of this was a science the the films would be project, pro- projected at sort of random frames per second yeah. which is why when you watch you know a lot of you know movies from that era they're like yeah. weirdly sped up
0: yeah, or, like, European releases are usually, like, 4% sped up or something like that.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and it's why, yeah, you know, like, all the comedies that were coming out then, it kind of worked for them because the, like, quick speed is sort of goofy, you know, people oh, running right. around bonking policemen on the head and shit. But Imagine
0: what, the one time that they ran it at, like, 12 frames a second. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, these these movies were, one, shot by you know, like crank cameras a lot of the time. Maybe by 29, they had they had gotten motorized cameras. Yeah. But so that fucks with the frame rate to begin with, and then when they're projected, it just fucks with the frame rate again. Yep. So what you're saying is, they're basically correcting the frame rate. Yeah. Um, but they're also including the, the sort of weird fucked up frame rate version. Yes. Okay, that's cool.
0: It also comes with a few commentaries, some interviews, uh, uh, some conversations with, like, historians and stuff, and uh, video essay uh, actually talking about what we just talked about hmm. is the the weird fucked-up frame rate yeah. of the film. And from there, we move on to Martin Scorsese, mm-hmm. which one of his movies is getting inducted. It's The Age of Innocence.
1: I have not seen that one, actually. Neither have I. Um... What 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 year was that?
0: That was like ninety-three, I think. Nineties. Right. Was it? Uh let me look here. It
1: says here. Yeah, ninety-three. Okay, so it was one of his sort of later movies. Like yep. I, I kind of assumed it would be around um Raging Bull sort of era, but no, it's later than that. Yeah. Okay.
0: The one thing I wanna say about this. Is this is a very disappointing release for me? Okay, it doesn't include much. It's it's being restored in four K digital, mm-hmm. but it only has some new interviews and
1: a documentary on the making of the film. Yeah, we should say that usually Criterion includes like a. Block of special features. Oh yeah, like more so than any standard release of it. Yeah, and the restorations are usually also supervised by the director. So yes, this did... one is okay. As well. So it was supervised by and Scorsese. The
0: one, the one thing I found very interesting was it has a, it's got the 5.1 surround DTS HD Master Audio now. Mm. For that, I think it was originally just stereo. Yeah. So it that's been re- that's been I guess updated into the surround sound era. Okay, but other than that, there's really nothing for it. It's, yeah,
1: it it does <laughs> happen sometimes on yeah, Criterion. It's releases. got a written
0: essay, but that's about it. I know the else. the
1: Criterion release of Time Bandits is a little skimpy, also.
0: Yeah, the definitely the one that I wasn't expecting a lot to be on with Criterion releases but had a lot on it was Akira Kurosawa's Throne of Blood mm. which is essentially a remake of Macbeth but that had a lot of special features on
1: it He did 7 so. Samurai too yes. right Yeah they usually they usually give him like a fuck ton of special features 7 okay. Have you seen the box for 7 Samurai Yes I have it It's massive Yep
0: Uh I think Kagemusha also has a lot of stuff with it mm. which is another one of his I believe that was the other one that was inducted. I don't remember. But moving on. We have this next movie called Ball. B-A-A-L. Ball. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's a German film from 1918.
1: Old school, yo. <laughs> Holy yeah.
0: shit. And really, the I have never heard of this film. No, neither have I. But... It's definitely interesting. I'm very interested in the silent era of films mm-hmm. and all that surrounds that, so I may pick this up you when out. You should watch i I've seen him. Oh, have you seen him? Yes, I've seen him. Okay.
1: It's not silent, now that I think about no, it. No. Though. But it is German, and yep. it's old as fuck.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, The only things to mention about this is it's a 2K digital transfer. I wish they would do 4K. Su- yeah. I
1: don't know why they keep doing
0: 2K. It might be shot on 8 or 8 millimeters, something like that.
1: I don't know. Well, no, because um, Time Bandits Mm. uh, is a 2K transfer, also. And I kind of just assumed it's because it was an older release, sort of more towards the beginning of the Blu ray era. But that's fucking weird that they're doing a 2K transfer now. Like, now they should be doing 6 or 8K transfers, not 2K. Yeah. 4K bare minimum.
0: Yeah, which it kind of disappoints me a lot of times when I see that on like a Criterion release or an Arrow release. It's like, you know, now remastered in 2K when it was shot on 35 and could have well been transferred to 4K. Yeah,
1: okay, if it was shot on 16, 2K makes more sense, but I fucking don't think Time Bandits was shot on 16 millimeter. I could be wrong about that.
0: Yeah, since I don't know about this movie and it— and it's 2K, I'm gonna assume it was either shot on eight or sixteen.
1: Okay. So next one.
0: Yeah, there's nothing really too interesting about that release except for some new interviews. And the restoration was actually supervised by the
1: director. What? From nineteen eighteen? Yes. I believe it's nineteen eighteen. Come on no, now. It... <laughs> like the dude would be like a hundred and thirty. Because 1918 is literally
0: a hundred years ago. Okay, yeah, 1970. I don't know why, why the hell it says 1918 down here in the description. <laughs> Maybe it takes
1: place in 1918. Maybe, but That's it's a not even the movie.
0: <laughs> this is the description isn't even talking about the movie. It's talking about the director and something about 1918 debut. Oh, it's an adaption of a play from 1918. Okay. Okay. That makes more sense. Cause I was I was looking at that, and I was like, that's impressive. You
1: really fucking confused me for a second there. I confused
0: myself. Don't worry about it. Oh my god. I was very impressed when I was like, oh wow, from nineteen eighteen, the director supervised it. What did they do this like <laughs> fucking ten years ago? <laughs> but all right. The next movie is Movie from 1930, I believe, is The King of Jazz. Okay. That, I do not know what it's about. I, at first, uh, when I I saw this, I had mistaken it for the movie The Jazz Singer. (laughs) And I was like, okay. I mean, technically, that's culturally important. Sure. The Jazz Singer movie, but I don't know what this is about. Um... I think it's about a real person, but okay. Other than that, this has actually quite a bit of stuff with it. Mm. Aside from a four K restoration, actually by Universal, huh. it's got new audio commentaries uh, with uh, jazz and film critics and stuff like that. It's got an introduction for the film by a uh, by, I guess, one of the historians. Uh, new, a lot of new interviews, video essays about it. And it has a short film with it as That's well. That's interesting. Uh, the short film is All Americans, which is a short film from 1929 that was restaged to be the, the finale for the movie, I guess. This is what it's saying. Hmm. And so I guess they included the original short film with it. And then it's got animations with it. It's got two animations, it looks like, from the actual person. Okay. And that's pretty much what it's got with it.
1: Okay. What's the next one?
0: Next movie is a movie called Women in Love. All right. I do not know anything about this.
1: See, that was the thing when when I looked at this list. I was like, I don't know most of these movies, but... Then again, yeah. that's not necessarily new for Criterion. Like almost anybody if you get into um, Criterion releases, you won't know most of the catalog. It's a yeah. bunch of like artsy bullshit like, you know. Isn't it it the... really is. It's re- like the Criterion yeah. catalog is really fucking pretentious.
0: Isn't Solo also in Criterion?
1: I yes, I think it is. Yeah.
0: Of course it is. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh
0: Anyways, Women in Love's from 1969. Uh, it's been transferred and includes some commentaries, some interviews, uh, a few biopics and documentaries, it looks like, and uh, n- again, another short film.
1: Hmm. Okay, so a good set of uh, special features again. Yeah, got quite a bit. All right, so there, there are two more Criterion releases. They bear mentioning. All right. Uh Criterion is releasing Silence of the Lambs. Yep, I heard about that. And they are Silence also... of the Lambs also recently got put on four K Blu ray. Yeah, well, Criterion always does their own restoration. Yeah. So like even if there's already a four K transfer, Criterion will do their own. Yeah. I just thought it bared mentioning. Sure. Um uh, they God damn it, dog, go away. We're working here. They are also releasing Night of the Living Dead right
0: the uh was that the uh the restoration
1: that uh yes it's the newest uh, restoration romero started so the the story with night of the living dead yeah to do a, a here, very brief um explanation um basically they had lost the negative for a long time yeah they also lost 9 minutes of the, yes they had also lost 9 minutes so there's 9 minutes of the movie that's never actually been seen
0: yeah um, and George Romero recently found it, supposedly. Right. Before no, he... There's twelve minutes that haven't been seen, but nine minutes is known.
1: Oh, okay. Well, whatever. Um Romero, who has recently died, yep. but before his death, Rest in he, peace. he found the missing footage. Um and now it has been completely restored. There's gonna be a four K. Sm- yeah, there's gonna be a small theatrical run of it. Oh yeah. And it's Criterion a- is
0: releasing yeah. it. It's unfortunately not coming to the the state in the US where we live though, from what I've seen.
1: Yes. you <laughs> Really? You don't even want to say the state that we're in? Shut that up. was awkward.
0: <laughs> um, fucking
1: fight me. So, um, they're doing a release of it. I don't know if there's going to be another release. I kind of assume there's going to be a more mainstream release. But Probably. there is a Criterion release, and it looks like it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. It looks like it's going to have a fucking ton of special features. I hope so. I, I don't know if the Silence of the Lambs release is going to have too many more special features. But, um... It looks like Night of the Living Dead will, and yeah. I'll be very interested in picking up yeah. both of those. Especially, now, it'll
0: probably have the nine minutes plus a bunch of interviews and stuff. Yeah,
1: probably. Um, well, they're putting the nine minutes back into the movie. Are they? As far as I know, yeah. They're putting that I, missing footage into the movie. I
0: think that might be an alternate cut because I think they're going to have the original theatrical cut and then an alternate cut with that back in. At least I think that's what George Romero was talking about mm-hmm. when he last
1: spoke of the movie. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, um, but I will be looking forward to getting that. And yes, okay, same here. I do want to put out a warning. Okay, what are you doing, dog? Would you leave the dog alone? She keeps coming over here and sticking her face in my crotch. Like, what the fuck? Go away. Um, so I want to issue a warning. Like, legitimately, mm-hmm. if you look up "Night of the Living Dead" Criterion, it's already on Amazon and mm-hmm. it is a fake release. Yep. Okay. So watch out for that. Because I'm sure that release is still going to be around when the actual release comes out. So make sure you're getting the real one and not this fake one.
0: So to make sure you get that, go to Criterion's website.
1: Yeah, go to Criterion's (laughs) website and link over to Amazon from there. Yeah, And here's the shitty thing, right? It is 100% legal for them to release um, Night of the Living Dead because it's in public domain. So... Like th- you can't even take any legal action against them releasing a false Criterion version. Although you might, it, you it might m- be
0: because they're if they're using the Criterion yeah, logo, which they are. Then um, at least the the lawsuit image, could be at least taken the against image the on Oxford. the
1: Amazon page, yeah, um, has the Criterion logo. I don't know if the actual case when you get it does. I, but, if there's an actual case. Yeah. But either way, the the actual release of the movie is legal because it's it's yeah. in public domain.
0: Oh, it's in all of those fucking... Uh...
1: Yeah, the like 50 movies for $10, you know, yep. it's in all those packs because it's public domain. Mm-hmm. But the Criterion release looks like it's going to be yep. fucking like, of course it's going to be way better than those transfers. Right? For sure. So it's, it for looks sure. like it's going to be the best way to get the movie. So, right. now that we've done that, you wanted to say mm-hmm. a movie that we recommend? Movie of
0: the day. We can each do a movie if you wish, or we can both do a movie. No, let's each do one. All right. So, we already spoke about this movie today. The movie I'd recommend you all you'd all see is A Scanner Darkly.
1: Mm. Okay. That's a good one, yeah.
0: It's very satisfying to watch, in a way. Oh, my God. And... I would
1: say, okay, either watch it high or don't watch yeah. it high. Now, that sounds weird to like be like, do or don't. But yeah. if you're going to watch it high, be prepared for what you're getting yourself into. Because there's some fucked up imagery in that. Oh, but yeah. it looks like it would be an amazing movie to watch high. I haven't tried it, but it, it looks like it would be <laughs> fucking amazing.
0: All right. And that is my movie of choice. What is your movie of choice?
1: Huh. Well, you kind of sprung this on me, so I, I have to think about it for a second. Um, Actually, you know what? I think the movie that I would recommend this week is going to be Sid and Nancy. Mm. Um, now, Sid and Nancy is a movie that came out in the 80s, and it is it purports it, to yep. be about um, Sid Vicious of the Sex Pistols yep. and Nancy What's Her Fuck. <laughs> his girlfriend. His girlfriend. Who, basically, both of them just spiraled, like way, way down. down. They were both huge heroin addicts. Yep. Um,
0: Sid Vicious even died of an overdose while yeah. awaiting trial. Yes, he that.
1: did. Um, and for he, for murder of his girlfriend, I should say. Which there's some. Uh, argument as to whether he did or didn't actually murder her. The movie it, portrays that yeah. he did. I mean,
0: it's the same argument with did Courtney Love actually kill Kurt Cobain? Yeah.
1: Well, that's another conversation. Um, <laughs> so the the movie <laughs> is maybe not entirely accurate. There's there's a lot of question about its accuracy. Yeah. I know that. Um, oh, what's his name? The singer of uh, uh, Johnny Rotten. Johnny Rotten. What's his real name though? If I know. <laughs> Johnny or John Landis?
0: Yes, John Landis, I think. Yeah.
1: Um anyway, he has come out and said that it's a terrible movie, it doesn't represent anybody properly, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah. just taken as a movie on its own, it is a wild ride. Like it's it it might be one of the best punk movies ever made in terms of like really nailing the punk atmosphere oh, yeah. and attitude. And that being
0: said, Gary Oldman
1: I think didn't he hate his Yes. Spartan? See, okay, here's the thing. Gary Oldman is great in the movie. John Linden, by the way. Linden. Um Gary Oldman is great in the movie. The problem is he's not really a good Sid, mm. right? And that's even what he says. He says he he doesn't he doesn't think that he was a good Sid. Um and he wasn't. He wasn't really how Sid vicious was. Um, but if you just look at the movie on its own merits and don't try to connect it to real life, his performance is fucking great. Like, it is a really good performance. Um, and the movie itself is highly entertaining if you can get into the the punk culture. Yep. Um, and, yeah, it's a great movie, and it is available in Criterion, by yep. the way. I was just it's about a, to bring that up. It's a great transfer. It's got a lot of special features, although the special features were a little bit disappointing because hmm. basically they included... The, uh, two or three documentaries except they were like shrunken down to like 15 minute versions of those documentaries mm. so that was disappointing yeah. um but still worth worth a look if you haven't seen those documentaries which I haven't um yeah so that is that is my recommendation go watch Sid and Nancy go watch a scanner darkly. A, a scanner darkly um, I'm sure you won't be disappointed Maybe, possibly, <laughs> hopefully, r- probably. All right, so that is the conclusion of the first episode of Yay. the Watts Podcast. That was rough. <laughs> it was a rough beginning. I think we got yeah. through it.
0: Oh yeah, we definitely uh, powered through it with some major tangents.
1: <laughs> hey, that's all this. That's all this podcast is supposed to be—is us tangenting. I think that's about all any of industry. our podcasts are. That's true. Okay, we're done here.
0: Yep. Good night, everybody. We love you.
1: No, we don't.
0: Go watch good movies.